1: Today's show, well, there still aren't quite five big news stories, but we do have a couple and we have some great rumors to talk about as well. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formula nerds.com. We're back again. Uh, It's still not quite enough news for a a full news show, but we thought we'd update you on the, the couple of pieces that there are and talk through some other stuff which may or may not be true. And to help me do so, we, I'm glad to say, have Abby back who has recovered 99% 99% of the way from covid how are you feeling abby i'm all
2: right thank you my voice is still a little bit funny but i'm good i'm glad to be back podcasting with you guys
1: well, we're glad to have you back uh, even if there is a hint of danny dyer about the voice uh sam how about you how are you feeling i'm feeling good i'm feeling that i probably don't have much hint of danny dyer about my voice <laughs> wait weren't you the uh the poshest man
0: from croydon is there some kind of crossover there that was a nickname, yeah, uh, un- unfortunately. I don't think it's fair because there are some genuinely really nice parts of Croydon that I wasn't from. But we move on. How are you, James? I'm good. I'm good,
1: thanks. And I'll just echo that exactly and say, How are you, James, to the other James, James Phillips?
3: I'm very well. Thank you, Mr. McKenzie. Uh, also glad to have Abby back now she's covered from COVID. And I also will definitely say, I'm not going to be crossed with Danny Dyer any- anytime soon. <laughs> so confused, I'd say.
1: Well, now we've established Danny Dyer is definitely not on the podcast. I will throw to Abby, who is definitely Abby, for our first piece of news, which is the F1 calendar.
2: Yes. So, obviously, 2023 was supposed to be a 24 race season, going from the beginning of March to the very end of November. But it was announced earlier this year, or last year, time seems to go funny after Christmas, that the Chinese Grand Prix would be cancelled because Formula 1, with the tightly packed schedule, couldn't afford for teams to follow the quarantine rules if they had to be detained after suffering from COVID due to the schedule. But Formula One announced this week that it will be a 23 race season this year. They're not replacing the Chinese Grand Prix. It will be 23 races, which is still a record-breaking number of races. But it means that there will be about a three to four week gap between the Australian Grand Prix and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix due to China being cancelled. It also means that teams will have a reduced number of gearboxes because of the fewer races. If there was 24, they would have five gearboxes, but now they only have four. So what do you guys think about the Grand Prix being cancelled and not being replaced? Because I, for one, am quite glad that it's not replaced, but I want to get your take on it.
3: See, I'm with I'm with you, Abby, on this. I'm quite happy it's not been replaced. I think it was. I think it would have been a really. I think it would have been a bit of a silly idea to try and place this race with some that's with a race that's in the either in the far eastern part of Europe or heading towards the Middle East. Uh, we've already got enough kilometers going around the calendar as it stands, um, and I think the idea that bar that the Baku circuit could just move by a couple of weeks is ridiculous. It's a city circuit. It's a functioning city. That you know, it, it can't just shut down two weeks ahead of schedule. That's not really the way the world works. And I think sometimes Formula One forgets that. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea that to have reduced gearboxes. I think that's going to introduce a bit of drama later on in the year. Uh, I think it's overall it's quite a positive mood, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, surely it saves the team's money not having to produce that extra gearbox. I mean, let's face it. I mean, a lot of them will. Uh, but in theory, I'd, I'd assume the cost cap is staying the same. It's not being reduced because of this.
1: That's a good point. I mean, if it had gone the opposite direction, you know the teams would have been all over it, be like, oh no, give us more money. But they might just kind of be like, oh yeah, that's fine, don't don't worry about that, don't adjust that.
0: So I'm somewhat looking forward to it. I think it'll be a little taster to start the season and then you've got three weeks go away, develop and then come back for a proper European season, kind of old school style. So I think it will add uh, another element to the early part of the season. Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly one that the teams wouldn't have planned for, and we always knew that China was a risk. The teams probably most likely were would have been lining up for for a replacement race. Portsmouth was was that one that we expected, but I, I think it's a good move. It's it's clunky. I think the only question you can really ask is why was China included in the first place? It was there was obviously problems there. Yeah, that's what I was about
1: to say. I mean, it's. It was, I guess, like just ambitious, just hoping for that they get it sorted out, even though there were no real signs that they would. But then they, the to ing and froing ing looked a little bit amateurish, to be honest. Kind of the right, we'll cancel it. And then actually, oh, they've changed their policy. Maybe we can go back. And now we definitely won't go back. It's yeah, It's been a, a little bit
0: too back and forward. To F1's credit, that was also partly driven by the Chinese government. You know, obviously they had measures that made it impossible to have a race. Then they tried to walk those back. Not that that would have been driven by wanting to have the Chinese Grand Prix. Yeah, you know, there are broader things at play there. But I don't F1 in some ways were kind of reactionary as opposed to the ones, you know, in control of that.
2: Well, the Chinese Grand Prix did extend its contract with F1 until 2025. So it's supposed to be on the calendar, but... It will be telling whether it will actually appear in 2024 and 2025, or whether we will end up in another situation where the race is cancelled again.
3: Another you know, career situation, won't it? Because that was supposed to appear on the calendar, and just slowly dropped off without much of uh, without much of a fanfare. But sorry, just to, just to, just to say something by the way, we are, we talked about the cost cap. The cost cap cost cap does reduce from next season, uh, so it goes from 140 million down to 135. So that might have a bit of an impact with the with the gearboxes
1: we'll see. Um, yeah, just to go back to the, the calendar itself, it'll be a bit of a false start. It'll be a strange one to have three races and then effectively a spring break to go with our summer break because it's the same length, I think. It's 28 days for both, <laughs> right? And <laughs> yes, yeah, Sam, what, what are you picturing happening on F1 spring break? Well,
0: I, 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 I dare not imagine what happens <laughs> when there's not a spring break involved in F1. But no, I'm just, you know, kind of, who knows? They, they could hit Miami early. They should flip Miami in Azerbaijan. Let people yeah. really kind of soak up the atmosphere.
1: Yeah, Fernando there on his deck chair throwing out beads to people. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> However we feel the time, yeah, we will be back, I guess, in, in back in Baku. Uh, and I'm sure it'll fly by with plenty of drama early in the season. But someone who's probably not going to have a loss of spare time at the start of this year is James Valls, who will be moving from his role as strategist at Mercedes to the team principal role at Williams. James, do you want to tell us a bit more about that?
3: I do. I don't think he's going to be uh, doing the, uh, the hula uh, during spring break. Hi there. Um, but He's left Mercedes Benz.
0: What me. spring break have like, you been watching? I was like, <laughs> where
3: the hell is James going with this? I don't know. I'll do that again. Um, no,
0: I liked it. I liked it.
3: So James Vowles has left Mercedes Benz. Uh, he is the former head of strategy. He's he's now the former, should I say, the head of, uh, head of strategy at the Mercedes Benz team. Uh, he's been with them for a really long time. It, he worked with them under Honda when they were BAR, uh, as under, under Braun GP, and he's now gone to be the team principal over at, at Mercedes. And a lot of people are questioning this position, questioning this this jump. I don't think it's a bad role at all for him to go for. The guy knows what he's talking about. He's been in a really successful team for a number of years. Uh, he brings a real sense of uh, hard work and well, just good strategy. And know that's such a basic thing to say to. to, to to Williams. Uh, Ross Braun is obviously a former head strategist who was a team principal. We know what happened with him. Although, to be fair, there was a lot behind him that may help make that happen. But I think compared to Jos Capito, he's a very different uh, very different ball, ball game. And I think he will start to really uh, galvanise Williams and get them moving forward to where they want to be. But I'm curious to what you guys think about this as well.
0: Well, you like to think that they'll give him a little bit more time to bed in to get to grips with the role. You know, Your Capito obviously coming out of retirement, incredibly experienced as a team principal by the time he took that Williams position. I, th- I think it will be good to get a, a new perspective in there from the outside. I think we've, we've talked about other teams up and down the grid who th- that's worthwhile having. Uh, so I think Williams are very much in that camp. And I also think taking someone from very much a winning environment, I I can't see that being a bad thing. When you're you're in that situation for so long, as he has been, um, it starts to kind of soak into the fabric and the DNA of how you do things.
2: Yeah, I think he's been in F1 for about 21 years. And obviously being at Mercedes, he's got loads of constructors championships and lots of race wins and drivers championships under his belt as well. And I think having that experience and having that knowledge, moving to a team like William, moving to a team like William's, I think it's a really good thing. I think it will be a great step forward for Williams in their journey to move further up the grid, especially with the driver pairing of Alex and Logan. I think those two are particularly very strong. And having James come into the team, I think we can expect good things because he's a smart man and he's been at Mercedes and he knows what he's doing. I think he might have some challenges becoming the team principal and stepping into that role, but I think he'll do a good job of it and... I'm excited to see what Williams do this season. Yeah, me too. And
1: I hope you're right. I hope they do continue their trajectory as they were kind of getting closer to the midfield through the season. Obviously, there's a lot more scope to improve uh, at the start of a set of regulations than there is as they were towards the back at the end of the previous set of regulations. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, he's done a great job, as you guys have said, and it's a very different role. But I think, you know, you're... Wherever you land in the the Horner-Wolf sparring that has gone on in the last few years, I don't think anyone can deny that Toto Wolf is one of the greatest team principals in F1 history now. I mean, he's broken a lot of records, pretty much every record there was to break in terms of a, as a constructor.
3: I think the only record left for him now is the longest duration as team principal, which ironically is the role that uh, Christian Horner currently holds the record for. But I don't think he's not, he won't be, be that far behind.
1: Does he hold the current, like the record? Oh, yeah, the record amongst the
0: current grid, but surely not ever. i yeah.
3: oh, not ever no, but the current grid is. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Ever heard of a uh, Ken Tyrrell? <laughs> is I know, it Ken Tyrrell? <laughs> oh, he must so, be up there surely. I was going to say Ken, Ken Tyrrell, Frank Williams, sixties, sixties up to ninety eight. I mean, William yeah. Frank Williams. It must be Frank Williams. Yeah.
2: But this podcast is great because even I learn a lot, and I'm supposed to be speaking and be very knowledgeable about F one. <laughs> but listening to you three, I learn loads.
0: Oh, please. <laughs> I'm pleased. I'm not sure you sh- how closely you should be listening, but never mind. We move on.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: So that's the two confirmed pieces of news covered um, But we'll stay on Williams for some rumours Now there was a lot of excitement about Porsche uh, Hinting towards they were they were going to do something And no one really knew what it was But everyone on the internet basically decided They were about to take over Williams All they did really in the end was Kind of rejig their Instagram profile uh, They brought on other forms of motorsport It was just the Formula E Porsche team And now it's it's expanded beyond that they do still have that copyright, though, on hashtag F1 Nally, finally. However, I think James James P said f one Ali. And, of course, there is still space in the sport for another engine manufacturer if they can get that together for 2026. So do we see them linking up with, with Williams or with any other team, potentially?
3: You are never going to let me forget that, are you?
1: <laughs> no. No. Alley, sh-
0: no. Yo, why should we?
1: No,
3: that's to, be,
0: to be to be candid.
3: No, that's fair. Um, I think I'm quite sad that we didn't get that announcement because it did seem like the stars were aligning for that. For some reason they had uh, Frank Williams's face, didn't they, in a Twitter post or something? It was
1: really No, bizarre. it's a very pixelated, uh, I don't know, edited photo of something, which again people just confirmation biased themselves into believing that it was Frank Williams, and then you look back at it and you kind of go, No, it wasn't. Ah, uh, fair. I, I I I think I think Porsche will
3: still be on the grid. They have yet to register formally with the 2026 regulations. I think they say something like oh we're not under time pressure. They kind of are soon. Um I think with 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 Williams and and Gulf though that is going to look like an insanely it's going to be an insanely pretty car. That's going to be one of the best looking cars on the grid next year if that comes to pass. The, the Gulf Royal are their new title sponsor. Um, personally, I'd like to see one on the McLaren again. I think that was a really good looking, a really good looking car. Um, where Porsche go from here? Porsche need to buy into an existing team, or have their own engine program, or just or, or, or from scratch. They walked away from Red Bull because they tried to get fifty percent of Red Bull powertrains, which, let's face it, was never going to happen. So they need to get they need to be in a position where they can either own a team outright. And I think that there are several teams still up and down the grid that could fill that fill that void or fill that gap. But I, I don't know where Porsche go from here, to be honest, because they've got to really decide what their next move is.
0: Well, and it's going to be so slow that this is exactly what happens. But surely the one scenario we can rule out is that they will just be an engine supplier. They will either have their own te- buy into their own team. I, I doubt they'll create their own team from scratch. That hasn't been the the way of doing things of late, um, you know, partly because the existing 10 teams have very very much got their stranglehold on F1. But I think, yeah, most likely they're going to buy into a team, you know, as a partner, whether or not they actually go the full way of owning that team. And then they'll probably supply uh, other teams from there, be it immediately or or further down the line. Because let's face what you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Red Bull and Renault, Alpine, They all have their team. Every powertrain in F1 has its team uh, as well. I I don't think they're just going to kind of half half and half it. So you're
1: avoiding saying half-arse
0: it. Yeah. So can I say half-arse it, please? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I only allow it. I don't think they're going to half-arse it. And also, if we get Porsche, you know, Audi's coming. We've got Mercedes. If we get Porsche as well, what about BMW? And then what about a German Grand Prix? How about it? I mean, we've spoken about the calendar earlier. That's a glaring hole in, in the calendar as it is. I'll be out for all of that.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've also heard rumours that you've also got Hyundai looking at Formula One. Uh, Ford are rumoured to be potentially wanting to make a comeback as well. So we could return to some really, to the I say the good old days, that makes me sound old, but we, it could return to the good days where we had lots of manufacturers on the grid again rather than three or four. But it, it sounds like this, you know, this new team that could be coming into the sport. It's not it's not a death set on and Andretti. I think there are lots of candidates that could that could do this and the manufacturers as well. That's the really exciting thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously with the new regulations, the whole idea was to attract more yeah, established manufacturers in and it appears to be working. We've obviously got Audi committed and a lot of people sniffing around the sport, which hasn't been the case in a very long time. So, yeah, it's good to see. Um, a side note, I found out yesterday that apparently Hyundai should be pronounced Hyundai, not Hyundai like the Americans say, but Hyundai Hyundai. Anyway, so don't say you don't learn anything on our podcast. Uh, also, I only read that on Reddit, so I don't even know if that's right. But moving on to our next rumour, and that is Lewis Hamilton and a few various bits about uh, our seven-time world champion. Obviously, there is a contract that is maybe in the offing. Anyone know the the amount? Because there was, I saw in a few
0: figures bandied about. I saw 62 million a year. Which, in yeah. fairness, I haven't made that much in a year for a while now, so it's a uh, it's a considerable amount of money.
2: I saw that, but I think that one doesn't include the twenty twenty the twenty two million bonus that he would get for winning a championship, which his current deal does. So
0: right, but that his current deal is forty plus that twenty two brings you to sixty two. So is that just a coincidence?
2: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at math. I have no idea.
1: He's also been talking about an, a long term ambassador role as well, right? Which would amount yep. into the hundreds of millions with with Daimler or Mercedes-Benz. Two fifty that's all.
0: Yeah. You know what, James? You should get on Reddit to check fact check it from Reddit. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. That's uh, I... Cristiano Ronaldo kind
1: of money, that, although over a far longer period of time.
2: I read an article and I made notes, and I've got he's reportedly been offered sixty two million per season extension to his current deal. And then Fortune have reported that he's been offered a 2022 million salary raise in the new deal, but it doesn't include the bonus for winning the championship. And he's also been offered a two-year extension.
1: I mean, it's it's all a lot of money, whichever way you swing it. Yeah. Um, And reportedly, he could be using some of that money towards buying a part or buying a stake in Manchester United, along with uh, Ineos big boss, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who obviously has ties to Mercedes. And I mean, Lewis has already gone and bought uh, into the Denver Broncos in the NFL. So Mm -hmm. it seems like the kind of thing that he he could get involved in, although he is an Arsenal fan. Um, So, Mm. you know, that's a bit of a rivalry there as a Lewis Hamilton and Liverpool fan. It's not my favorite headline I've read in recent times. I'd rather he didn't buy into Manchester United.
0: But also, you know, um I'm, uh, less than a decade around a decade younger than Lewis Hamilton but growing up as an Arsenal fan United were public enemy number one right so, so that, that's a you know and those kind of traditions do die hard even though we've both gone through lean times as to you know you what know, well, big football clubs I just it feels odd that feels really really odd but also as Lewis himself said clearly quite clearly for Lewis Hamilton cash is king <laughs> well that's it it's a business proposal isn't it it's
1: the opportunity and whether it arises I think at that point you potentially put your allegiances aside I don't think Lewis is the biggest football fan or, or Arsenal fan so yeah maybe he'll just see it as an opportunity because I think he was potentially sniffing around Chelsea at one point as well last year when when that was going on
2: yeah I think Hamilton was part of Ratcliffe's bid to buy Chelsea as well but because that then Ultimately, fell through the targeting man you can't believe I'm talking about football. I don't like football. Um, but yeah, I think, um,
0: what so, sorry, Abby.
2: <laughs> sorry, I can talk about the Broncos, Hamilton's part in that, I can do that. Um, but no, at the end of the day, it does seem like a business decision for Hamilton, and the more money, the better. It's, cool. it's
1: the Danny Dyer in you coming out, you just run, suddenly find yourself <laughs> talking about football. <laughs>
0: Go West (laughs) Ham. Moving away from rumour and speculation to things that we do know, we do know that Drive to Survive is back in February. It will drop on Netflix on the 24th. And we also know there's a sixth season coming. So guys, what are you anticipating for this fifth season? What do you think the big talking points will be? Given that 2022 wasn't a big talking point season on track at least, do you think that, again, the drum will focus on things like, say, I don't know, the fallout of 2021 and uh, the cost cap?
3: I think the Red Bull cost cap breach will be a big story. Uh, that'll probably come maybe two or three episodes in. I think Andretti might make an appearance as well because there was lots of umming and Aring on that front. And I think yeah, I, th- I think they'll probably hammer it up a little bit, pardon the pun, to do some more 2021 Hamilton versus Verstappen. And they'll do a really, and now and obviously, Verstappen's actually in the program this year as well. They'll they'll do a lot about um, his feelings and how he thinks how he thought thinks about twenty twenty one as well. So overall, I think it's just going to be a bit of a hammed up season.
1: Well, I think they're going. <laughs> I think they're going to have to be a bit wary. I think they the the blowback from the last season and well what have been building in previous seasons as well of you know kind of faked drama and such was was quite obviously made fun of and it became a bit of a laughing stock at, at points on social media you know the, there were plenty of memes of uh, Will Buxton in particular but the series as a whole and fabricating drama so I think they would have taken that on board and they're going to be wary of of creating things that didn't totally exist but yeah like Sam said there wasn't that much that did exist so We'll have to see. Obviously, they can only do what they can with the footage that they've got, which is somewhat potluck in that they go with certain teams at certain races.
2: Yeah, I think I saw a rumour at one point that there were going to be quite a few episodes surrounding Red Bull, whether that will be from the fallout of 2021 or the cost cap. I don't know, but I think they'll be definitely focusing on McLaren and Alpine. Sometimes the on track battle between them, but most definitely what happened with Piastri and Ricardo leaving as well. And hopefully, hopefully there'll be a more honest take on the season. Obviously, they will dramatize some aspects because it's a TV show and drama is TV, but I'm looking for a more honest take that they don't fake rivalries and things like that.
0: Happy. I thought we'd moved away from the rumours. But no, that's that, that's Sorry. that's a fair point. I've, I've also heard that as well. I think there'll be some focus on Mick Schumacher as well. And obviously Kevin Magnussen yeah, returning to the sport. So they're, they're, I think Haas will, will, will play in. I think they'll probably, you know, could, could they play that in with, with Andresi as well? Who knows? Um, but I think for me, the, the big question is, is drive to survive still viable? Has it served its purpose? For me, I feel like it's maybe lost its shine a little bit. And with all TV shows, especially ones of this nature, that are, let's face it, a marketing tool, surely the law of diminishing returns comes in at some point where it's very much, as I said, it's served its purpose. It's brought a new wave, new generation to the sport. It's been brilliant for that. It's rejuvenated the sport in many ways that needed to, to be done. But at what point do you have to kind of say, right, let's move on to the next thing? And you can already see Netflix potentially starting to do that. They've just released the quote-unquote drive to survive for tennis. Uh, so i started watching that, thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm not even that big a tennis fan.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. How do you reinvent it? The, the novelty factor is gone. I mean, at first it was just amazing to see any behind-the-scenes footage of F1 because there was such a... basically blanket ban on it under the in the Bernie era um but yeah I I mean obviously there there are going to be new storylines every year effectively and they can only use the storylines that F1 effectively creates for them and yeah to your earlier point I mean Hass have always been kind of the the effective mascots of Drive to Survive and Gunther Steiner obviously so yeah Kevin coming back as someone that they focused on a lot is a great story and yeah the drama's there with Mick and Gunter could be fascinating. Obviously, we'll get
0: Christian Horner on some kind of farmyard animal, I'd hope. Called Valtry obviously, like my grandmother. Um, but no, actually, two two storylines are definitely, surely going to be in there. Ferrari strategists and their just general kind of you know, management side of things. And also, Mercedes uh, going from as i uh, was it started from the bottom then they got to a certain point which is what, yeah. what made their season Upward so trajectory yeah the the almost drake of the grid last year and as sam returns to
1: drake as he did in our end of season awards we know it's probably time to end uh thank you for joining us for this part news part rumors podcast uh be sure to head over to formula nerds.com and all the formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any of the stories that might come from the rumors uh, and yeah we'll be back soon we we had the pleasure of interviewing Manish Pandey in our Cut to the Race podcast of the weekend, who is a fascinating character. He was the writer of the Center film, amongst other great documentaries. So I highly recommend going and listening to that. And we'll be back this weekend with something else pretty special, I'm sure. But until then, thank you guys for joining me. It's 2023. We failed last week. Can we make up a decent outro this week?
0: I, you know, I almost said... It's been a pleasure. It hasn't been a pleasure. It's been <laughs> awful. No, thank you very much for having us. I've had a great time as always.
3: Likewise, I was going to say secondary, but I can't say that. So uh, I'll go with that as well. And I'll say I'll try. I'm going to try and make stay nerdy a thing. if that works
1: <laughs> right, There's no getting away from it, is it? You said pleasure and always, Sam. Like we can't get away from those words. It is always you know a pleasure. That's the problem. I'm I'm going to spend the next week trying to write an outro. Okay, well, I look forward to that. Come back to to find out our new outro. But until then, we'll see you then. <laughs> that definitely oh won't be hell. it. <laughs> <laughs> bye. You're right. It's lights out thing. That's that's good. I like that one. All right, it's lights out, mics off, and away we go. Until we come back with a new catchphrase next week. Bye bye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and
3: away we go. Away we go.
2: Podcast Network.